Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. This uh, Torah uh, study has moved from Abraham, the original patriarch, Isaac, and now into the life of Jacob. They're all patriarchs of the faith. And uh, in ancient Jewish wisdom, uh, it teaches that what you see happen in the lives of the patriarchs is a sign of what will happen to their descendants. And uh, so even though uh, many of the stories in Genesis are a little bit puzzling because they're filled with not just the good, but uh, as Clint Eastwood once did, there was the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) And so God doesn't hide the moral dilemmas. He doesn't hide the failures, the mistakes that the patriarchs made, uh, and he doesn't want us to hide that. He wants us to be cleansed of those things, and the patriarchs were cleansed of those things, uh, and therefore they're the patriarchs, and they provide us clues, hints, lessons to be learned on how to climb our personal spiritual ladder of success. Wouldn't it be a bummer uh, to spend all your life pursuing success and once you climb up there, you oh my gosh, my ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. The world's wall can't provide you everything that you need. There are some things we can glean and uh, benefit from, but by and large, if your ladder is leaning against God's wall, nothing will be impossible. Amen? Uh, And part of that uh, climb uh, is climbing... uh, above our failures, above our sins, above our mistakes. We don't live in those things. God is a God of forgiveness. And if someone sinned against you or if you've sinned, you don't have to be locked into that destiny for the rest of your life. God is a God of new beginnings. Someone ought to name their church New Beginnings. Oh, we did. Hallelujah. So the Torah and all the great rabbis in history don't give the patriarchs a pass. And God didn't give them a pass. He said, son, daughter, you may have learned some things and done some things the wrong way. It's time you climb out of that. And he'll empower us to do that. And so... Uh, thanks be to God that our ladder today is leaning against the right wall. You wouldn't be here or Zooming with us uh, this morning if your ladder wasn't leaning against the right wall. You're going for God. If you're going for God this morning, say amen. amen. So today, uh, Jacob is fleeing Esau. Now why is he fleeing Esau? Why does Esau, his, his twin brother, want to kill him? Because Jacob was involved in some bad behavior. Uh, 
Uh, at least traditionally we think of it as bad behavior, but there's a little bit of an argument about what was really going on there uh, with Rebecca, his mom, Jacob's mom, and taking Esau's blessing and so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's an interesting study, and one of, the, one of the great things that we learn when we study our Jewish roots, and one of my favorite rabbis to study with is the late great rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And he has a wonderful website filled with many essays that explain many aspects of the Torah. And in his essay, Isaac and Esau... Uh, he explains a misunderstanding that Rebecca and Jacob had about the blessing that Isaac was going to give. And the mistake was Rebecca and Jacob uh, thought that there was only one blessing. And in fact, there were two blessings. And when you read in Genesis 27 and 28, uh, you have to study that out on your own. You'll see there's a difference in how uh, Isaac blessed Jacob when he thought it was Esau. He says one blessing. Uh, and then later on, uh, when Jacob comes and he believes it's Jacob, he gives a different blessing. So Rebecca and Jacob, when they did all their conniving to take the blessing, and look, did Esau deserve the blessing? No, he sold his spiritual birthright. He despised it. Yeah, so it wasn't like he's just a, a Boy Scout. So the blessing that Isaac gave to Esau wasn't the blessing of Abraham. And... Uh, he did give Esau a blessing of wealth and power, but for Jacob, he gave the covenant blessing to be the father of many nations and that he and his descendants would possess the land. That's the greater blessing. And that's this mistake that Rebekah made, Rivka and Yaakov. Uh, they thought there's only one blessing, but there were two. Isaac meant to give the material blessing to Esau, similar to what he did with Ishmael, which what Abraham did with Ishmael. Ishmael got a blessing, but it wasn't the covenant blessing. He planned to give Jacob the blessing of children in the land. That's the blessing of Abraham. And the, the lesser part of that blessing is the material blessing that you receive to empower you in this natural world to accomplish spiritual things. He had really wanted Esau and Jacob to come together as twin brothers and they would work together to fulfill the mission God gave originally to Abraham. But now Jacob ends up receiving both blessings. And it turns out it's something that he wrestles with in himself for many, many years. And next week we'll learn more about uh, the angel that uh, Jacob wrestled with uh, on the banks of the Jordan. So uh, one of the many episodes in the Torah 
that God uses to expose a character flaw comes up this week with Jacob and Rivka trying to take God's matters into their own hands. Instead of being spiritually sensitive to the leading of the Lord, their ladder was leaning against the wrong wall, and they decide to be conniving, and uh, let's pull off this scam, let's use deception. They didn't have to. But uh, it's a flaw that Jacob needs to address if he's eventually going to fulfill this spiritual mission. And it's really the mission of all missions. Building this family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's family, into the nation of Israel is going to take a little bit more than uh, being a conniver, a deceiver, a usurper. So God needs Jacob to climb his personal ladder. You can't be in neutral here, Jacob. you got to start going for it. Let the Lord renew your mind. Let the Lord transform you. And as you're climbing up each rung of God's ladder, it's because you're going to a new level and you're killing the old devil. One of, one of my favorite... Uh, all-time books is uh, by the late Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I've done a sermon in the past, Seven Habits of Highly Successful Christians. And uh, maybe we'll, I, I can't remember which Torah studies we've done that in. But Jacob's personal climb up the ladder of success needs a mission statement. Jacob needs something in his life to give him a higher mission, to see a higher calling than just uh, whatever I can get, I'm going to get. I'm going to get mine. And Stephen Covey says a mission statement isn't something you write overnight. He says, fundamentally, your mission statement becomes your constitution. It's the expression of your vision, your values. And it becomes the criterion by which you measure everything else in your life. We kind of see that missing in, uh, by and large in the church today. Because everybody's just wanting stuff. Our prayers revolve around more stuff. I need more money to buy on Amazon. Jeff Bezos, I need to give you more prime. <laughs> then there's nothing wrong with doing that. I'll be doing Well, actually, I don't really shop on prime. My wife does. Uh, there's boxes always piled up at our door, and it's like, where are these things coming from? Oh, that's right. My wife has a credit card and a prime account. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. But we need, all of us need a unique calling. We need a unique understanding of what our divine assignment, our divine destiny is. So did Jacob. So he's fleeing from Esau. He's running from uh, the vigilante law. Because Esau going to take him out. And he ends up none other than Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. And God gives him a dream that becomes his mission statement. 
Now, uh, this mission statement is going to carry him through a 20-plus year exile in the land of Abraham, back in Haran, with his uncle Laban. And it just turns out that Uncle Laban has one of the very character flaws Jacob needs to conquer. Because Laban is a deceiver. He deceived. When, when, when Jacob gets uh, uh, over there, he goes to a well and he sees Rachel and falls in love. It's love in first sight. Rachel is Laban's daughter. But Laban's going to trick as we know, he's going to trick Jacob, just like Jacob tricked Isaac. And uh, his beloved, Rachel, he thinks he's marrying her after seven years of service. <laughs> and it turns out, it's not, it's not Rachel, it's Leah. Oh no, oh Lord! <laughs> so he's got to work another seven years. To uh, marry his beloved Rachel. So over this 20 year span is Jacob behind the scenes in many ways. We're all climbing a ladder of personal spiritual success behind the scenes. You know, we're not out there flaunting how spiritual, you know, like, oh, see how how spiritual I am. I don't want to see how spiritual. Just... Go about your business, loving the Lord, loving people, and uh, let God be the one to pat you on the back. But so he's working on improving his flaws. In Christianity, we're not supposed to hide our flaws, we're supposed to get rid of them. But it is, it feels like a 20-year journey, right? How many of you have been saved for over 20 years? Yeah. Oh, okay, you're walking on water now, right? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) No one's walking on water. So there's still work to do. And uh, Jacob is working so that he can father some sons. He fathers 12 children, including 11 of the 12, while he's working for Uncle Laban. And they eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. So he's imparting a spiritual legacy and heritage that you know he must have been working on some things. Or God would have done it a different way. Part of his long-term success is that from an early age, he always migrated into the tent of Isaac to study Torah, ancient wisdom says. Esau was the guy out there in the world. Nothing wrong with being out in the world, taking care of business so you can support your family and, you know, work out the natural things of life. But he was learning Torah. Esau, uh, he was pretending he had values that he never had. But on this way into exile, God's got to get some things cleared up. So he leads Jacob to Mount Moriah, Jerusalem. It's where the Golden Dome is. And it's perhaps the most impactful moment of his life. Because Moriah is where his daddy was taken by his granddaddy to be sacrificed. Yeah, 
His dad Isaac was bound for a sacrificial offering. This is the site of the future holy temple of the Jewish people. This is where the Shekinah glory would rest for centuries. And it became the site where Jesus laid down His life for all mankind. Pretty sacred site, right? It's just not a random deal going on here. God's showing us things. And many of us don't realize this, but when Jesus comes again, you don't get a cloud and a harp for all of eternity. You're drafted into the army of God. You're actually drafted into the army of God right now. And, and after the rapture and after seven years of tribulation or three and a half, you know, if you're a mid-trib person, you know, we come back from heaven to earth to rule and reign for a thousand years with the Messiah here on earth. And every one of us will have a, a new divine assignment. Some of you, one of you in here could be mayor of Dallas. I don't know. (laughs) Governing God's way. And not the secular, humanistic, antichrist way. But when Jesus comes again and that he's ruling and reigning, he's ruling and reigning from Mount Moriah, from Jerusalem. And not in the West Bank part of Jerusalem. (laughs) There is no such thing as a West Bank. There's Judea and Samaria. (laughs) Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll receive power and you'll be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. He didn't say, and the West Bank, that'll be in dispute because of the world and all these other people that hate God. Jehovah God. They do love their God, small g God. So this is this epicenter of the land of Israel, the property that belongs to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's part of an eternal covenant. Later, King David is going to officially buy Mount Moriah. And he purchased the site. The Bible teaches us he purchases the site. And in the 3,000 plus years since that happened, no one has ever presented a record of it ever being sold. That's because there is none. Can't present a record that this land was sold to some other country, some other nation, some other group. It's always been in Jewish hands. It has, however, been occupied. Throughout history, the Greeks occupied the land. The Assyrians occupied the land. Romans occupied the land. Muslims occupied the land. Christians occupied the land. Ottoman Turks occupied the land. And today, the Palestinian movement and anti-Semitic forces in the UN and other worldly governments are actively trying to accuse Israel of doing what they're doing, occupying the land. Isn't it amazing how the enemy works? He always accuses the righteous of what he's doing. Just this week, 
In this week's breaking Israel news, the UN General Assembly passed a resolution to characterize the founding of the modern state of Israel as a catastrophe. Israel being founded, being reconstituted as a nation, they're saying, is a catastrophe? The UN? Nations voted on it. And most of them voted to approve that catastrophe statement. Because see, their goal is to take Israel before a kangaroo court called the Hague Court. The International Hague Court over in Amsterdam somewhere where all the elitists and antichrist types want to punish Israel for being an apartheid state. It's a demonic goal. And it's all because they want to abolish Israel's right to exist. In the world's mind, one Jewish state is one too many. Right? we got a, 200 nations around the world. One Jewish state is one too many in the minds of all. And so the news media, governments, all these spokespeople, the UN, they try to create a, a, a false fake news narrative. Daniel said in the last days, knowledge will increase. When you look up the word knowledge, you can read for yourself. It really means ignorant knowledge, fake news. In the last days, fake news will flourish. Elon Musk just proved that when he released all these Twitter documents uh, uh, that were buried in, that the U.S. government is conspiring with the biggest social media platform to silence people that don't believe the way the government believes. And that's what they're doing with Israel. Most Christians don't realize why the battle of Armageddon is fought. Who's ever heard of the Armageddon battle? That's not Bruce Willis. (laughs) He's not shot up into space to destroy an asteroid. The battle of Armageddon is when the, the nations of the world filled with an antichrist spirit gather together to teach Israel a lesson once and for all. We are going to punish you and and make you hurt so that this land is no longer the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's our land, Palestinian land, or, you know, whatever other land they want to call it. But that's that's why Armageddon is fought. It's fought in Israel, in the Valley of Megiddo. And we've been there. How many of you have been? You've seen the giant valley? It's, it's a very uh, uh, powerful uh, part of any tour we, we go on. And so, yeah, Antichrist forces against the... And guess who's in the army of God? When we come back, we're raptured. When we come back to fight this battle, we'll be behind Jesus. He'll be leading us into battle. And the, the Bible says that the battle of Armageddon lasts about one second. At the power of the word of Jesus, who has a sword in his mouth, those armies are defeated. The millennium begins, Jesus is ruling and reigning, and then all of us disperse around the planet, uh, governing uh, for the next thousand years in the name of the Lord. Yeah. All of that 
the epicenter, Mount Moriah, where Jacob has this dream. It's an amazing encounter in Genesis 28. There's uh, all of these angels ascending and descending on a ladder between heaven and earth. And God chooses this place for what we've just talked about. He already knows history in advance. And you can know history in advance if you read your Bible. (laughs) Amen? And during this dream, he reaffirms to Jacob, who's on the run, who's got some problems. He's got the t-shirt, I have issues. And God needs to get him uh, cleansed, renew his mind, get transformed. Come on, Jacob, you need some transformation going on. So he gives him this dream, this vision of these angels. And it includes reaffirming the mission that he gave to Abraham is now in your hands, Jacob. And God assures Jacob of his destiny. You will be the father of a great nation, and you will be guarded with divine protection. And when Jacob awakens, he instantly vows. If you have a dream and you know God's speaking to you, you need to seal that puppy right then. Don't worry about getting on the computer or answering a text or, oh, i got to get milk before the store closes. (laughs) No, you need to make a vow. God, whatever you're putting in my heart, I'm going to vow to climb whatever ladder I have to climb to make that divine assignment come true. And then he promises to tithe to the Lord. to Put his money where his mouth was, right? Some people talk and some people walk. And Jacob was going to not just be a talker, he was going to be a walker. I'm going to walk this thing out. Took him a long time, 20 years. And even after that, he's still wrestling with some things. So so all of that means he's confirming that he's going to keep his ladder leaning against God's wall. Good decision. Did you know that this is the first dream recorded in the Bible? And it's exactly what Jacob needs. A dream, all of us need what Jacob got. A dream filled with vision and purpose. Amen. And it becomes a transforming event. Not just for himself personally, but for his family, which is going to become the nation of Israel. And, and it becomes a dream, a vision that's so powerful that he's going to be able to overcome all his past mistakes. This is what the devil uh, tricks us into thinking, that the mistake I made is so bad, I can never overcome it, and I'm doomed to live in that, uh, that mistake. That defines me. That's what the devil's trying to get us to do. That this mistake defines you, and you can't move forward, you can't climb the ladder, because what happened 20 years ago still defines you, and you're stuck with it, you're chained to it, but the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. God is going to give us the strength to overcome and override any negative that you're going to face in your future. It's going to take some climbing, though. 
You can't climb into your easy chair. <laughs> I like my easy chair. Get the game on and get some Cheez-Its and watch the game. and It's so easy. But that's not my divine destiny. And whatever your little thing is, oh, I, you take multiple trips to the mall or the Amazon site and just spend, spend, spend. That's not your divine destiny. There's something greater God has for you. And this is why the Lord shows Jacob a dream of a ladder. Because first, he has a past to overcome. If, if you're disappointed if you've been hurt, if you've been traumatized, if you're still vexed by something that's happened in your past, then you haven't really understood the power of forgiveness. Right now in our world, you see all of these voices trying to get people agitated about something that happened so that you can just have an angry spirit. You can have this spirit that woe is me, a pity spirit. And you, you have no joy, you have no vision, you have no purpose because you're locked in to deception that the devil has put out there thinking you have no future in Christ and, and he'll keep pounding on that thing. And then he'll send you like Job's friends. He'll send you a bunch of Job's friends. Tell you how bad it is, how you'll never make it, how you're you're doomed. There's the 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 deal is the the deck is stacked against you, and you begin to hear that and believe that, and now you're stuck in a rut. A rut is just a coffin with the ends kicked out. God did not call us to get stuck in a rut, stuck in a moment that we can't get out of. So he gives Jacob this dream of a ladder to overcome his past and secondly, to begin to climb into a new future, into a new destiny. Climb out of this pit. And that requires effort. And there's a big debate in Christianity about effort. Well, you're striving to do something. Yeah, I am. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> God said, I'll direct your steps. And those steps, he's not directing to the easy chair, to the comfort zone. He's directing it into our future. Amen. And each day, each week, each month, we're part of the army of God and we're marching. We're climbing. We're motivated. We're inspired. Well, I don't feel... Well, you must not be praising and praying enough. If you don't feel motivated and inspired, you forgot how to pray. (laughs) You forgot how to go into praise and worship and get your praise on. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, but I got problems. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, and praise God, the ladder, the angels on the ladder show us we got guardian angels. Come on, somebody. Angels watching over me. They're ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Father, we loosen our guardian angels to accomplish the will of God in our lives today. Hallelujah.
So the dream of a ladder is symbolic of Jacob having to climb out of his personal problems and into the promises of God. The mission, the purpose that you're here, Jacob, is up that ladder. Get climbing, dude. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired too. Get climbing. As they say, the world is run by tired people. Your destiny means some effort is involved. Well, can't I just rub the Bible? Come on, genie. Genie God. Okay, three wishes. I wish I have a million more wishes. Someone once said that a vision is not just a picture of what could be. It's an appeal to our better selves. A call to become something more. That's why God gives us a vision. Everybody's vision is different. Everybody's dr- you might have got a dream as a kid and uh, almost, it's almost gone. Dream stealers have almost stolen that dream because you thought it should have happened by now. It may be God had planned for it to happen here coming up just before the Messiah comes so that you can impact your world for the Lord. So our dreams, our destiny require more than wishful thinking. Yeah. Any prophetic encounter... Any word from the Lord is not an actual guarantee. Okay? This is sometimes where we get confused. I got a word for you, or you feel God speaking to you. That's not a guarantee it's going to happen. If you don't get on about your father's business climbing the ladder, it won't happen. Jesus didn't shed his blood on his backside. Yeah. Well, I went to church. What more do you want? (laughs) I want your whole life, Scott. But that that prophetic word uh, speaks more to the potential God lays out in front of you. And we all have great potential. Praise be to God. There really is unlimited possibilities as long as you keep climbing. Right? So God needs our active participation. And that's what you're doing this morning. You're actively participating in stirring yourself up in your most holy faith, pursuing the things of God, training, equipping, and learning, and studying, and getting your mind right. Lord, renew our minds so that we see the promise, we see the future, and we're not anchored to a past full of negativity. Yep. you got to seize that. Right? Seize the moment. One guy said, some succeed because they are destined to, but most succeed because they are determined to. Why can't Christians think like that more? I am determined to fulfill the will of God in my life. You know, why, why are we looking for some way out of being determined? 
Just like Jacob, it's our willingness, our determination, our perseverance that, that gives us the inspiration to climb the ladder. It's the difference between winning and losing. And look, no one's immune from frustration and disappointment. No one's immune from temptation. No one's immune from being depressed and disappointed and down in the dumps. It's all part of the battle. It's all part of fighting the good fight of faith. And over the years, how many of you uh, would agree with me, over the years, you know you've been faithfully climbing that rung, uh, uh, that ladder rung by rung. Zig Ziglar says, when you're uh, trying to make it to the top, you can't take the elevator. you got to take the stairs. And you got to touch every one. And that's what separates winners from losers. Because our, our natural tendency is to quit. But thanks be to God, greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world. Come on, somebody. Thank you. We can do all things through our Messiah. Come on. So the late uh, Stephen Covey once wrote, People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top, the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. God, give us discernment, a sensitivity, the mind of Christ to differentiate between what's secular and what's godly, what's part of my divine purpose and what's not. And as we mature in God, as we're living for God, all of a sudden there's more spirituality. We're using our intellect, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. Our emotions don't run rampant. Where we're emotionally connected to things we shouldn't emotionally be connected to. And that's when you man, I am climbing. I have made progress. Glory be to God, I've made some progress. (laughs) So, yeah, there's the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, leading, guiding, counseling us on all the issues of life. Amen? Amen. The Lord is strengthening us. He's ordering our steps. Amen? Amen? And these things keep us on track. But I got to thinking about another aspect of how I've been able to stay on track since the, we gave our lives to the Lord in the 80s. Feels like far. Because we were in a church that was bigger than New Beginnings has ever been. In, in New Beginnings' heyday in Portland with 5,000 members, two services, and just rocking and rolling, uh, you know... Uh, we were called to new beginnings from a church out of Seattle. And in Seattle, that church was 10,000 members. Had a, had a, uh, a elementary school of 315 kids. I was one of the pastors every day ministering to 315 kids and their parents. Boy, that'll test you. <laughs> I, I led the Sunday morning K through third chapel, 250 kids. K 
through third, and my mentor Orville, who's still up in Seattle area, he, he had the four through sixth graders, 150 kids on Sunday morning. Combined together, I mean, that thing is like a, uh, an anthill, a beehive. And we realized we, just, we had to do more than just say, I'm trusting the Lord. <laughs> we better equip ourselves with some extra knowledge it's like, you don't, why, does, why is Disneyland, before they went woke, why does, does, has Disneyland been so sick? Because you can have three, four hundred people in line and they don't get agitated. <laughs> they figured out how to imagineer. And we realized we need to figure some things out. So we began to study business people uh, and try to understand what business principles that uh, are out there and have been out there are spiritual principles in disguise and can be adapted. And so we began to study uh, many great business leaders. And uh, the one that we ended up studying that I just love and still read uh, off and on to this day is Brian Tracy, a business guru. And he has seven C's of success. And these are common traits that top achievers, peak performers have in common. And we realize that it's just looking at serving God in a different way. If, if we could take these kinds of principles and apply them, it would help us minister. If the church was going to explode to 20,000, we would be ready. How many of you know success is an inside job? Yeah. If only the government would send me more money. And they're throwing promise. I heard the other day they're promising $200,000 to certain people uh, for si- the sins of the past. And I said, well, how are you going to decide? When or, wh- wh- why does that sin deserve $200,000 and the sin against this group gets nothing? <laughs> so I don't know how they, they're just playing games. But for me, for you, if it's to be, it's up to me. I'm not counting on, oh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden to do something special for my life, and now I got my divine destiny. (laughs) The first of the seven C's is clarity. Eighty percent of success comes from being clear on who you are, what you believe in, and what you don't. God did not give us a spirit of confusion. Confusion is of the devil. And so uh, it's so important for us to examine and re-examine our core values. What do we stand for? What do we believe in? Because the devil's always going to try to knock you off of that, get you to compromise and go a different way. What are the foundational principles you can live by? A lot of that is just understanding who you are in Christ. (laughs) Oh, my child of God, in Christ, there is nothing impossible for you. But you need that clarity. Number two, competence. You can't climb 
the ladder of success until you're excellent or you have a commitment to being excellent at what you're doing right now. God doesn't promote laziness, right? But he will promote people that are going after it. The prophet Daniel, it says in Daniel 5, had an excellent spirit. He had knowledge. He had understanding. He was able to interpret dreams, solve riddles, explain enigmas. How did he get to that point? Oh, God gave it to him and all he did was just kind of sit around and it all just kind of uh, happened from there. No, he was a man of prayer. He was devoted to the things of God. A lifetime of Torah study. A lifetime of becoming a prayer warrior. A lifetime to being committed uh, uh, to something more than average. Average is the enemy of excellence. And I hate, ask Tamara, ask my daughter Sasha. They know that uh, uh, I, I hate. Uh, even the smallest things not to be right before we proceed. No, we got to get that right. One person has a customer service issue at Larry Huck Ministries. I'm not trying to blow them off. Let's find out what we can do to make that person happy, and maybe that'll translate into all kinds of good things. And on and on and on. Okay, constraints, number three. We talked about clarity, competence, number three, constraints. Eighty percent of all obstacles to success come between our ears. Eighty percent of success or failure happens right here. As a man, as a woman thinks inside of themselves, so they are. Jesus said it this way, a good woman, a good man, out of the good treasure of their heart, will bring forth good things. You'll produce good things when you create a good heart. So you have to find out, what's blocking my blessing? What's limiting me? And go attack that thing. Lord, you, me, the Holy Ghost, and the Word of God are going to attack that thing that's causing me to, uh, 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 that's restricting my advancement in the kingdom of God. Number four, concentration. Which is focus. It's the ability to concentrate, to be single-minded. Are you single-minded when it comes to the kingdom of God? In the sense of, I got no desire, no thought, no, no way I'm going back into the world. <laughs> There's nothing that the world could ever offer me to entice me back. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? The Lord God Almighty and Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, the main thing. And all that pencils out behind that, the prayer warrior stuff, the intercessory prayer stuff, the, the going to church stuff, the becoming a leader stuff. You make that spiritual commitment and you learn the things of God, the principles of God, and the more you apply it, it's just like Reinhard Bonnke. You've heard me say this. The gospel is like soap. It only works when it's applied. Amen. 
Number five, creativity. We talked about clarity, competence, constraints, concentration, creativity. The ability to see things from many angles. Don't have tunnel vision. There's lots of different ways that this can get done. It's like we talked about imagineering. A combination of using your imagination and then how to engineer that dream to come true. What are you saying, Lord? How can I go about this? Give me some of the steps I can take. And then, so you're combining ideas with structure, with action. Amen? Number six, courage. Remember the Lord reminded Joshua, be strong and very courageous. And don't forget, just like Jacob was promised, I will be there with you every step of the way. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you call upon me, I'll answer. I will give you ideas. I'll give you favor. I'll open doors of opportunity. You, you just have to have the courage to walk through it, to, to climb the next rungs on the ladder. And number seven, the final of the seven C's, continuous learning. We haven't learned it all, folks. We still need to study to show ourselves approved. We're workmen, the Bible says. Work people, uh uh-oh, they use the W word in church. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. Constantly learning, constantly reading. Uh, If you're on the internet, find some things uh, germane to your interests, the the dream that God has given you, and learn more about that. And push yourselves towards excellence. Push yourselves uh, to, to be more involved this year than you were last year. To give more this year than you gave last year. To, to do uh, more prayer this year than you did last year. That's how you maintain a competitive advantage. Yeah? If you get away from that, you're going to lose. You're going to be like the guy in uh, Top Gun that he lost the edge. Boy, that, I don't want that uh, to be part of how I'm described. Well, Scotty was good in his day, but he lost the edge. <laughs> no, thank you. Amen. So, just like Jacob, we're all destined to become greater this coming year than we could ever have imagined. Our best, as Pastor says, is what? Yet to come. And God is going to show you how you can keep climbing. He's going to empower you and strengthen you to keep climbing until that day when you make heaven your home. And if you practice these traits, these three, these seven C's, it'll definitely help you climb the ladder of success. Amen this morning? Well, if you receive that today, give the Lord a praise. Love you guys.